Good morning. This is Henry Harris. Welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, Beautiful Shadows. So, as we, as is our custom, let's review what do we mean when we speak of spiritual foundations of mental health. We are referring to a beautiful and simple truth that your mental well-being is not defined by the content of your feelings, by the quality of your feelings in a given moment or as an aggregate, that if you have a lot of or a, a lot of uh, upset feelings, then you're kind of an upset person. If you have a lot of low feelings, then you're a person who is uh, defined by a low self-esteem. You have feelings. Every one of us has feelings. Those feelings flow through us, but they don't define us. They aren't us. We are defined by by not so much the content of our feelings, but the fact of there being this beautiful and wondrous uh, flow this ongoing, unceasing flow that we are connected to, that's magical, that's miraculous, that we are on the receiving end of an ongoing live divine feed. And that divine feed includes a whole variety of feelings. It includes uh, moods and feelings that are warm and trusting. It includes moods and feelings that are are tight, constricted, insecure, mistrustful, self-centered. There isn't a human being in this world Um, no matter how successful, well-adjusted he is, that doesn't experience low moods uh, and that are are painful, that that are are distressing and unpleasant. Um, And there isn't a person in this world, no matter how depressed and despondent he is, that doesn't experience moods of, of relief or neutrality or equilibrium. It might not go noticed. It might the the difference might be that the person who would be described as well adjusted um, has a has a, a different understanding of his low moods. He understands that they are they are passing flows, and he can relate to them with a greater degree of of um, neutrality. Right, and in other words, he he feels them. It's just that he he acknowledges, okay, this is uh, this is not telling me about the reality of me, the reality of my my skills, the the worthiness of my life. It, it's telling me about kind of this moment's experience, and that's it, right? And so he he lives in that kind of weather, in the same way that we we have weather in our lives. There's physical weather in the world. We don't we don't start to get down about the geog- geographic climate that we're in because of a couple days of rain. You know, we we kind of know like okay, it's going to pass. You know, um, and simultaneously, the person who is struggling and who 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 would self-identify as I'm depressed or I'm, um, you know, I'm really messed up or or whatever it might be, that person has less perspective about his low moods and less understanding about the cyclical kind of moving nature of his moods and and is quite uh, identified with his feelings. Like, this is this is real. Like, I'm having these feelings, obviously, telling me that there's something deeply, deeply wrong, um, not just about this moment, about but about my life. How else could I have such a dark feeling in this moment unless there's something really dark about my life? That that would really be the main difference between 
at, at the root of it, there's the, every single person is experiencing this flow. The fact of our connection to the flow is what gear is what affirms our mental well-being. That we are connected to the source of all wisdom. And the misunderstanding we have about how that flows and works within us, that's what's going to account for either uh, an easier, kind of more gentle, wisdom-filled life versus a more distressed, um, troubled life. That's really what it's going to come down to is the nature of our understanding. It looks and feels very convincing to me that when I feel a surge of distress and and dis, an unpleasant feeling it really does look compellingly true that this is an alarm this is an alarm like a flashing light that's saying danger 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 about your this relationship danger 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 about your stability danger 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 about whatever it is Right? It, it, it looks like it's truly a reliable uh, description of some real danger in the world. That's how it looks, right? As opposed to a, a distressing feeling that is by its own, by, by nature, it, it, it's only, these things are only created in one way. They only, they're only getting created in one way. These feelings, everything's only created in one way. It's created through a force that's not us, that is un- continuously flowing, not by my control. I didn't make, I didn't author the feelings. I don't choose their duration or their intensity. I am having an experience of a force that is not me, and I get to have a, a beautiful role. I get to have a wonderful participation, but it's very valuable to realize that I am having an experience of a force that's not me, an intelligence that is the source and intelligence and the force behind all there is. When I kind of get clear about that on some level, I stop looking to manage and resist and I and I am now present to an authentic experience, a beautiful authentic experience that allows me to be in life with its variety of experiences, with its richness, with the with its its constrictions and its expansions. I I I have discovered that I am so well adapted, that human beings are so well adapted to navigating when we are, uh, when we kind of let go, when we give up the pretense that we're really in control of this moment, that when we have the permission to be in this moment because we're not busy trying to resist this moment, it's amazing. It's amazing how well-suited we are to navigate. Think of the example of a child learning to ride a bike. You know, I watched my four-year-old when he was four learn to ride a bike. It was amazing. He didn't know anything about about balance and gravity and peripheral vision. Like he didn't know any of that, and he felt <clears throat> a lot. But because, and, and he had a significant deficit. You know, think about it. He was completely un, un, un unable to ride a bike right when he started, and um, 
he got on his bike and he attempted to balance and kind of coast and then he would fall and then he would get up and he would, you know, it would just, but it was very unmeaningful to him that he fell. What was meaningful to him was I'm interested in finding how, how to do it. I'm curious. I want to know how to do this. I'm desirous of, of doing this. I'm going to keep doing it. And he fell, and he fell, and he fell. And he was not overly concerned about the extraordinary deficit. It was like he was really missing the knowledge of how to ride a bike. And in as much as he was, um, he didn't feel the need to, like, analyze or process or kind of dig into, okay, I don't understand, I don't know how to do this. He was, he was somewhat able to just navigate. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, let's try it again. New understanding is going to come my way. It's the same thing. Like, I don't understand how to, I don't understand how to maintain a more, a more consistent equilibrium, right? That, that there's a deficit there, but it, it's owing to the fact that I'm not in control. If I'm okay with that, if I'm willing to be with this moment's deficit, I'm going to do I'm going to do quite well in navigating. That's how it's going to go. You know, if I at the end of the day it comes back to my main interest, my main job is to understand what's true about this moment. That's the beginning of all my work. And then I'll do my best with what I see. I'll do my best and then I'll kind of lose sight and forget What's true about this moment? I'll, I'll associate, oh, this moment is the way it feels because of X person or Y circumstance or Z event, or something about my past. I lose sight, and then I, at some point, remember, wait, I know something about what's true about this moment, and I don't have to control it. I don't have to change it. I can be in it as with its displeasure, with its discomfort, and there's something truly valuable and meaningful about that. There's a, a that's a highly meaningful job to acknowledge what's true about this moment, being in this moment, experiencing this moment, acknowledging what's true about this moment. So that's what I would say about the general notion of the spiritual foundations of mental health. And I I, I mentioned this week's topic I'm looking to share on is is beautiful shadows. We're about to head into a, a, a wonderful holiday called Sukkot. And Sukkot has a lot to do with shadows. It's an interesting idea. There's a, a commandment to dwell in a, in a sukkah, like a temporary hut. And the distinguishing feature of the hut is its roof. The roof is the roof is basically by design a, an ineffective roof. In order for the roof to be a valid roof according to the mitzvah, the commandment of the sukkah, it has to be by definition an ineffective roof. What do I mean? You can't make a roof that has um, that is that is impermeable to, to the rain. If the roof is so good that it keeps the rain out, it's invalid. It's not similar to a temporary dwelling. That's not a temporary dwelling if it's so good that water is not able to come in. It has to be able to let the water in because that's the, by design what a temporary dwelling is. That's the commandment to live in a temporary dwelling. Simultaneously, if you uh, if it does rain and the water does enter your imperfect roof, your halachically your your legally valid Jewish roof, 
and the, what the, if it rains and the water does enter, you're actually exempt from the commandment. You go inside and you eat your meal in your home because there is no commandment to eat in a sukkah if there's rain coming into your roof. So it's kind of a funny thing, like why bother with the roof, you know? Why bother? If if you're just, if you're commanded to make a roof that's imper- that's incapable of perfect- protecting you from rain, but then the rain comes, you're exempt from the commandment. Why bother with the roof at all? Just make a set of walls with no roof, sit under the open sky, experience that sense of vulnerability and the temporary nature of it. Like, what's the point of making a roof that's imperfect that you won't use when its imperfection becomes kind of uh, felt, and I, I, my understanding is, is that, in a sense, this roof represents the nature of our effort in this world. The nature of our effort is that we're here to make an effort. You know, we're here to make an effort to provide for ourselves, to provide structure to our lives, to provide security for ourselves and our family. Um, it's a good thing to have savings and 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 a pantry and all of that stuff. Those are responsible things to do, except that one is well served to know that none of those things are literally the source of your security. They're imperfect in their ability to guarantee your security. They cannot. They cannot guarantee your security. Ultimately, we're dependent on, on, a, on a divine blessing. On, on, we are reliant on the single simple source, as I like to say. And yet we're obligated to make an effort. I, if we think our effort is literally the source of our security, we're off base. But we're responsible to make an effort. Now, the nature of that effort is that it casts a shadow. It casts a shadow. That's what happens. Our effort can mislead us. Our involvement in the world, the whole notion of our responsibility to engage, to go out, to earn a living, to make a home or get a home or all of those things in a sense kind of at, are, stand at odds with the idea that no, 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 all there is is the single simple source. All there is is the single simple source. Everything is reliant on the single simple source. Your efforts are not capable of providing you actual security. They can't literally guarantee you shelter or sustenance or long-term protection of any kind. And yet we're obligated to make an effort. So we can get confused. We can get confused in our making an effort, and that, and that effort can cast a shadow. Can cast a shadow in the metaphor that we're looking to. The light of the sun is likened to the light of the Creator. It's illuminating. It's 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 um, it's warming. And our efforts, in a sense, can kind of get us lost. We can get caught up in in like, oh, I'm doing things. I gotta get ahead. I gotta elbow people away. All of those things, obviously, making an effort and making an effort in the context of competition. All of these things are appropriate, but but it's not. It's very helpful to remember what's true about all that effort. Is that the effort is a way of of serving. So it's called a divine service, but it's not literally the guarantee of my security. That's not where my security comes from. My efforts cast a shadow. So here I am, I'm building this roof. The roof is imperfect by design. In order for it to be a valid roof according to the mitzvah of sukkah, it has to be an ineffective roof. And I am meant to understand in building my roof that, yeah, I'm obligated to attempt and accept responsibility for my life. 
and simultaneously acknowledge that I don't want to get lost. I don't want to get distracted in the shadow. I don't want to kind of get lost in the shadow of my effort. The shadow of my effort does conceal, it can conceal the light of the sun, the light of this clarity of the divine source. I'm responsible to engage in that shadow. I just don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what's true, you know, that the shadow does conceal. But yet, now let's bring it back to, so that's one idea. Now let's bring it to, to where and how this is meaningful to me in terms of my psychological experience. You know, when I have a, um, I just, as an FYI, the, 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 the relevance of shadows to Sukha is that that the sages refer to the, the sitting in the sukkah as sitting in the, sh- in the shadow of faith, sitting in the shadow of, of understanding of the divine. There is a, there's a concept called the tzila de mehem nusa, the, the shadow of, of belief. There's something very rich, there's something very profoundly accessible about, there's a, there's a deep and beautiful a, a clarity accessible in the, sh- the sukkah in sitting in this shade, shade and shadow, because obviously the roof is casting, it, it makes shade to the degree that it's casting a shadow. So I'll, I'll, I'll share with you where this is meaningful to me in the idea of my psychological experience. There's so much, there's so much opportunity to see and, and, and regain and, and re- get reminded about the truth of life through sensing and watching my psychological experience. I have a psychological experience. I get a hit of insecure feelings. I get a hit of confusion. I get a hit of discouragement. Those feelings, in a sense, um, are like a shadow. You know, the, the feeling, my feeling is me experiencing a sense of like, whoa, my life is real, the world is real, I'm experiencing something, uh, I'm, I'm experiencing a, um, uh, you know, this world is shaving, affecting me, something in this world, the circumstances of this world, something deficient in my character, something about my past is really affecting me in this moment. And it seems to cast a shadow, meaning it seems to conceal. It does. It does conceal, potentially, the truth, the, single, the truth of the single simple source. I'm not feeling what I'm feeling because there's a single simple source. I'm feeling what I'm feeling because this guy cut me off in traffic. I'm not feeling what I'm feeling because of the single simple source. I'm feeling what I'm feeling because my child is, uh, is, not, right, is not acting right. Um, that's how it looks, you know. That is the nature of a shadow. The nature of the shade is that it conceals the light. And yet, and yet, what's so beautiful is that in truth, the shadow is a wonderful way of also being reminded of the light, right? The, the, the shadow is a reminder that we... Let me see if I can... I myself get a little bit confused about this like in all these understandings, but the shadow, I guess I'll just try to be practical, very practical. My dark moods, my difficult feelings have become a wonderful way for me to be reminded of the, of the single simple source because, yes, they, they, they show up in my heart in a way that it looks like it's something of this world. It's the doing of something of this world. 
And yet I can see that there's something transient to them. I see that there's something that moves about my feelings. There's something behind my feelings that can't be fully and only attributable to the stuff of this world. There's something there's something moving to it. There's a flow-like quality to it. And I get to be experiencing that that kind of shadow internally. And the shadow and the way that the shadow kind of operates inside of me, it reminds me of the presence of the creator. It really does. You know, it's it's it it does conceal it it, it it does at first glance conceal this light. That's what a shadow does. But yet at the same time, it's a place where I get to feel the effect and the experience, the impact of kind of this divine line life flow. If all there was was divine light, there would be no self. There would be no the past the ability to experience that concealment, the ability to experience the shadow is kind of what is so, there's something so rich about the idea that the screen of my consciousness, the screen of my life, I'm kind of moving in and out. I get to see and experience on my own consciousness the reality of this divine life flow. So the shadow conceals, but it also affirms. The shadow conceals the light, but it also affirms the fact of there being an ongoing flow and that ultimately reminds me I'm in the shadow of faith. I'm in the shadow of this truth, this simple truth, the reminder that um, no matter where, where I am and what I'm doing, no matter what feelings I'm having, no matter what moods I'm in, I'm on the receiving end of this divine flow and I don't need to resist, I don't need to fight and there's deep, deep security there. There's something so deep and affirming and safe about knowing that all my feelings exist inside of this of this divine flow of the single simple source. All my feelings exist inside of it. It's true that it 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 the, the nature of that light can be concealed. It can be concealed and there could be a shadow cast upon it that I don't feel it directly. But yet the shadow hints, it points to, it reminds me of the phenomenon of the divine light. I want to wish everybody a wonderful uh, festival. There will not be a um, uh, uh, podcast next week, um, and we will resume October 15th.